0: Unless you're living in a theocracy with God's law as the standard, Mm -hmm. then every government that has ever existed outside that context has reflected sin. From Walking in Grace,
1: this is the Straight Truth Podcast. Christian truths in an increasingly secular world. Our question for this episode has to do with social justice. maybe a relatively new term, maybe an old term. Obviously that adjective social for justice is, is what confuses things here. And our question more so has to do with, should the church be an advocate for social justice? Certainly, um, it might seem that the church should be uh, based on biblical passages that you see, especially in the Old Testament, uh, over and over where God mentions his justice. So let me read for you Isaiah one seventeen learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. So even in that, in that text, there is a, um, a, a sense in which um, every believer, Old Testament context here, but every believer should be an advocate for the kind of justice that God is, is, um, is commanding us to do. Micah 6.8 is often, is often uh, um, quoted. We're commanded to seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with our God. Mm-hmm. and uh and people often take these passages and they tie them to justice causes in the world today or even um uh, like a movement like uh, Martin Luther King Jr in the 1960s mm-hmm. and even current movements today in the 21st century what what do you think it, it, should the church be a an advocate for social justice um whether whether that's that's a biblical sort of justice like we've just quoted here or maybe something that's going on in the culture yeah as you, as
0: you know Josh I mean that terminology is supercharged Mm -hmm. at the moment. And uh, a lot of what's being done today in the name of social justice isn't social justice. It's mislabeled because it doesn't represent the justice of God. Mm. So if we ask, first of all, let's just kind of make it a little simpler. And let me just say in general, one of the things that I think we need to do, instead of taking the world's categories and then trying to figure out how we relate to those categories, for me, what I've always tried to do is say, what are the biblical categories? Yeah. I mean, how, how am I supposed to be thinking as a believer and then let me be faithful to that? So instead of thinking in terms of what our world is currently doing in, in, in the name of social justice, I would just ask what has the church been about according to the New Testament? What, what are we to be about, I should say, according to the New Testament? Our first priority is, is the soul. Our first priority is men and women, are they right with God? Mm-hmm. But we don't neglect the body. We don't neglect people's physical needs. The New Testament teaches that we're to do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. So I think, I think what we do is we demonstrate God's kind of social concern by the way we deal with each other in the Lord's church. And that way, th- that's the first way, the foremost way that we demonstrate to the world what God's love really looks like. How do we, how do we deal with each other? Even with respect to our own families. Uh, the Bible teaches that if, if a Christian person doesn't take care of his own, his own family, mm-hmm. aged parents, mm-hmm. uh, brothers and sisters who may be in need, you're, you deny the faith, mm-hmm. you're, you're worse than an infidel. Yeah. So how we deal with our families, how we deal with the church body, this is to be a demonstrate, we're, we're to be experiencing and living out and demonstrating what the love of God is all about. So do, do I care whether someone is mistreated or not? Yes, should we care that the, the justice system, the court system would reflect true and, and right kinds of judgments? Yes, we, we should be concerned about that. Should it bother us when we see the expressions of sin around us in the culture, whether it be you know, racism or other kinds of abuse that take place in the culture, should that trouble Christian people? Of course it should trouble mm-hmm. Christian people. And to the degree that we're able to speak God's word to those situations, we, sh- we should do it. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem we're having right now is a lot of what's going on in the name of social justice isn't justice. I, I said that a moment ago, but let me explain why I say that. Exodus 23 is a, a great passage that, that uh, it's fascinating to me how it addresses what's going on in our culture. It says this, you shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many so as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you meet with your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. You shall not pervert the justice due to, the, to, to your poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. And you shall not You shall take no bribe for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. You shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Several things stand out to me in that passage. One, true justice is never built on falsehoods. Mm -hmm. More than once the Israelites were warned not to be a part of false reports, not to be a part of mischaracterizations in, in their justice system. So true justice is never built on straw men. It's not built on <clears throat> on taking truth and then twisting it and making it something that it's not. And, and a lot of what I see today in the name of justice is really a rewriting of history or a mischaracterization of history or a dishonesty <clears throat> with the fact that at, at any point in history, men and women are going to have wrong thinking and, and wrong living and and you can't, demolish everything that belonged to a particular age because there was wrong in that age. There's been wrong in every age. Whatever you're trying to build today, someone else is gonna come along down the road and tear this down because mm-hmm. there was wrong thinking in this age. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. so so, you don't build justice on falsehoods. Something else you see is you don't build justice or you don't arrive at justice when you show favoritism, mm-hmm. when you have respect of persons. Mm-hmm very interesting to me in this passage that he says, you, sh- you shall not be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Just because a man is poor, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you give him advantages. He goes on to say later, you don't neglect, you-, you don't mistreat the poor person in his lawsuit either. You shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in mm-hmm. his lawsuit. Mm-hmm. So whether a man is rich or poor, the issue is not whether he's rich or poor, the issue is what's right, what's right. And right now what's being done in the name of justice is, is to tip the scales. It is to put our, our, our hand on the scale, so to speak, and, and to, to favor certain people based upon their life's circumstances, whether it be socioeconomic or whether it be the color of their skin or whatever the case may be. The idea is the way you arrive at justice is to favor those who have historically been mistreated. Well, that's not justice. That's just retribution. That's just a form of vengeance.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Something else interesting to me me in this passage, you're specifically warned against vengeance because in verse four, it says, if you meet your enemies, enemies, ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. Help this guy. Mm -hmm. This guy hates you. He's mistreated you. There he is with a need, what do you do? You help him with his need. Hmm. So if you're ar- trying to arrive at justice, what you don't operate in is hatefulness, what hmm. you don't operate in is unforgiveness, what you don't operate in is a, a sense of personal vengeance. That's not how the people of God hmm. respond. And, and a, a lot of what's going on today in the name of justice is just that, it's, it's reverse hate. It's, it's this group has been hmm. mistreated, T- treated hatefully or whatever the case may be. Now the way to rectify that is to make those people pay on a personal level, mm-hmm. on a relational level. That's not justice. So what you're aiming at is, is, is vertical, not horizontal. Something else to, to say about the church's role in all of this. Remember, the verses you read are found in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, and you have a theocracy. Mm. You have a nation mm. governed by God's law. And, and so you have a brotherhood that exists in that nation on spiritual, supposed to be on spiritual terms, as we know many of those people were not truly converted, but that was, that, that's how the law could be rightly lived out in, in the context of a relationship with God. And now fellow Israelites treating each other, not just as uh, with a national relationship in mind, but a spiritual relationship in mind not just a, a racial or ethnic relationship in mind, fellow Israelites, mm-hmm. but a spiritual relationship. God is our, Yahweh is our God mm-hmm. and His law is our standard. That's not the United States of America. This right. this is not a theocracy. Mm-hmm. So, and the church doesn't rule the nation. So, so that's why where we begin is in our own, in our own four walls, so to speak, in our own community, are we demonstrating God's love in the church in the way that we treat each other and then we do good to all as Mm -hmm. we're given opportunity Mm -hmm. but it begins in our own set of relationships our homes the church this is where it's lived out but not but not by the standards of lost men by the standards of God's word I'm looking for what's right I'm looking for what pleases him I'm not showing respect of persons I'm not showing favoritism I'm not trying to tip the scales in the favor of one group or another and I'm not operating in the realm of personal vengeance or hatred or retribution. We want to treat all people the way, in, in the way that would please God. Mm.
1: And so uh, a couple follow-up questions. Number one, just just to, to clarify, you, you are reading from the law. Yes. And so you're saying that there are principles to draw from this and how we should think about Thank you for that, yes, it's exactly
0: what I'm saying. And I'm saying even in that day,
1: where these people were living under
0: that law in a national sense. Yeah. This was the standard even then. Mm-hmm. And, and so if if we want to understand justice from, a, from God's point of view, let's see how justice was, was to be applied in that nation under mm-hmm. his rule. Mm-hmm. And, and even there, when you have a theocracy, it's, it's, it's even handed. It's about what's true and right in this situation. Mm-hmm. It's not based on socioeconomic situations. It's just based on what's right. Mm. And and that should be guiding our minds as believers and and our lives as as the church.
1: And I think another question that comes here uh, along with this is, you know, what's the difference between an individual advocating for these principles versus what should the church Mm. do? So you're pastor of a church, how would you would you ever lead the church to advocate for justice that involves some sort of social Uh, involvement in a movement or whatever, or are you maybe on the other uh, hand just exhorting your church members to live out a biblical justice just in their own spheres? I mean, how would you? Yes, the
0: latter It's what you just said. Uh, So when we look at the New Testament, I ask, where do you see the churches leading in social reform Mm -hmm. in the New Testament? I mean, they're in in a wicked world just like we are in the New Testament era, living under Roman rule that particular era, mm-hmm. lots of injustice going on, oh, lots yeah. of sin taking place mm-hmm. in every realm of life. Well, what were the churches doing? Were they, were, they, were they trying to lead some sort of movement for social reform? The answer is, I don't see that. I see, that, see them preaching the gospel, evangelizing lost people, discipling people, living out the love of God in their fellowship. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, living out the love of God in their fellowship and then being exhorted to live as good citizens because they know Jesus Christ. And that involves being submissive to governing authorities to the degree that we can and still be submissive to God, but living our lives in a way that we make plain that we're looking for a better city, a better country. Our citizenship is in heaven. Mm -hmm. And so we're not living for the moment, we're living for eternity. We're living in light of eternity in the moment. And so we want to display the love of God and the truth of God in every walk of life. When opportunity was given and responsibility existed to speak God's truth to people who were in positions of leadership in, the, in culture, you see God's people doing that. Mm-hmm. When Paul stands before Roman governors mm-hmm. on trial for the preaching of the gospel, he preaches the gospel in those settings. Mm-hmm. He declares Christ in those settings. When John the Baptist was arrested and eventually lost his life, what was it for? He spoke the truth concerning God's law regarding marriage to a man who should have paid attention to that because he was yeah. a ruler in Galilee, and that's mm-hmm. Herod Antipas. Mm-hmm. But he speaks the truth. It's not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. That's an incestuous marriage, it, it violates the law of God. So when we have opportunity to, to weigh in, so to speak, with what's true according to scripture, Mm. We do that, but we do it in appropriate ways. Mm. The church's fear of responsibility is not, in my view, Josh, mm-hmm. to rule over the culture in terms of, of uh, some sort of political presence. Our, our task is to preach the gospel and, and we live in light of another country mm-hmm. and our king is Jesus. Mm. So, for example, let me just give one example. Our views on abortion. We believe abortion to be sinful. We believe it to be murderous. Literally, people are being murdered in the womb mm-hmm. through abortion. But we've never led the church here at Founders to go march or something mm-hmm. or, or do some sort of sit-in mm-hmm. on an abortion clinic or something like that. No, as Christian citizens, we we influence as much as we can. We support a pregnancy assistance center where the gospel is preached and young women Women are helped with respect to pregnancy and counsel, and all of that. So we do what we can do. And by the way, we, we don't do—we support them as a church. We give them some money, but our people go and serve in that place, and that's really what we're exhorting in our in the life of our congregation: live as Christian citizens in every realm of life, every walk of life, hmm. and uh, and shine in hmm. that way.
1: And I'm anticipating just one objection. Uh, well, there are probably many, but I'm, sure. let me think of just yeah, one. Yeah, there'll be many. Yeah. So. Um, a vast majority of people will say, yes, don't show partiality, advocate for justice, mm. whether it's the poor person or the rich person. I think what a lot of people today would object to is say the system is naturally bent toward advocating for the rich person over the poor person. Mm. That's what they would maybe uh, respond. The system itself is, is corrupt and is more bent toward... Um, uh, advocating for the rich, or, I, or maybe in this case, uh, w- white males, or something along those lines. How would you respond to that in terms of you know biblical justice and in, and in, in that way? Yeah, I, I would ask.
0: So, so I have a couple of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Unless you're living in a theocracy with God's law as the standard, mm-hmm. then every government that has ever existed outside that context has reflected sin. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. G- government at its best, Romans 13, at its best exists to punish evil and promote what is good, but there's no human government that has ever done that to, to the degree that it measures up to the law of God. There's mm-hmm. not one. So the New Testament believers were living also in, in a place where you could say sin was systemic <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because it is, it's, mm-hmm. it's in every one of us. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so the system, reflected man's sinfulness. People sitting in judgment of others, pe- people making decisions. The way the economy ran would have reflected man's selfishness, his willingness to take advantage of others. I think about the tax system in, un, under Roman rule. Mm, true. I mean, when when uh, Zacchaeus Very comes robust. to faith in yep. Christ, there are things he has to make right. Yep. When Matthew comes to faith in Christ, he abandons his tax table to follow Jesus. So th- there were injustices there. Mm-hmm. So I look at the New Testament and I ask, was this given to the church as a responsibility? Change the system. Mm. You, don't like yeah. you don't find anything like that. You don't find anything like that. So a- until Jesus comes, mm. this world is going to reflect mm-hmm. systemic sinfulness. Yes. So so the, how, how has change affected? One heart at a time, okay. one life at a time. As people are converted, as they come to faith in Jesus, they can't live like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's how society has become better, but but there is no society that's going to be what God means for it to be mm. until Jesus comes and ushers in his kingdom and it's going to be a kingdom of righteousness and the only people who will populate it will be people who are right with God, mm. who, have been, who have been forgiven of their sins and reconciled to their creator. That kingdom will begin with no one but believers mm. and then that world will, will reflect righteousness. Until then we're going to live in a world it reflects sin. Mm-hmm. And so, so what we are are shi- lights shining in the midst of darkness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's our role. and uh, To think we're going to transform the world any other way than the preaching of the gospel is an illusion.
1: It will not happen. Thanks. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Straight Truth Podcast. Now, Straight Truth is listener supported, so if you'd like to find out ways how you can help us to continue to produce this podcast, you can go to our website and find out ways to do that, straighttruth.net. At that website, you'll also find links to all of our previous episodes and our social media channels, so be sure to check it out. Straight Truth is a production of Walking in Grace Ministries, the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Richard Caldwell. For more information, go to walkingandgrace.org.